Hello, welcome to my podcast, Sean Matthews, The Real Deal. I have an important and amazing guest on with me today, Gail. Gail is has been a financial in financial services since leaving school. She has accumulated extensive experience over more than 40 years in financial services and has been focusing on financial planning since 1997. Wow. As a financial professional, she makes brings us all years of experience and financially empowering individuals to improve their relationships with money and increase their money confidence. She's about getting positive results and improved outcomes for her clients. Gail has an innate ability to relate to people of all ages and backgrounds. Using everyday language you can understand, she prides herself on listening carefully, demonstrating care for you and your loved ones as she builds trust and learns your individual situation. I absolutely love that, Gail. Gail considers these the keys to creating great financial outcomes for her clients, making her own million dollar mistakes as a 30 something year old, helped Gail understand there's a massive danger in not knowing what you don't know. As a result of that mistake, she's been learning ever since. It was only after discovering some friends had their financial security destroyed because of their circumstances rather than poor decision-making. She realized how many people, especially women, were at risk of losing the security and hope for the future. Welcome, Gail. Thank you for having, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be sharing my time with you and that you invited me, firstly. It's awesome. Oh, oh it's a pleasure. It's absolutely amazing. I love connecting with like-minded women and uh, just hearing their stories and understanding that we all have a story behind us and to share the, our knowledge and education with each other. So thank you again for coming on. You're welcome. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Now let's get started. Okay. You have a wealth of knowledge and I did peek at your website mm -hmm. and thought I'd ask you a few questions from that. So what made you interested in financial planning? Oh gosh, I had been doing banking for many years and I got to what was considered to be the pinnacle of um, banking, which was doing commercial lending. And there was this weird little course came up and I was like, oh, I'm bored doing this. I wanna go and try that thing over there, that new bright shiny object. And the bright shiny object turned out to be financial planning. Mm -hmm. And that's how it happened. Cause I was bored doing what the boys thought was the pinnacle of um, banking. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> how long exactly have you been? Yeah. And how long have you been in financial planning for? Uh, well, 24 years. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I got qualified just before my middle son turned 10 and that's a really good way to, um, know how many years wow fantastic so, yeah. yeah right exciting exciting thing <laughs> absolutely love it it's so great and so uh you were a financial planner 24 years ago that's where you started were you always mm -hmm. in business for yourself or did you you said you no. were in banking and then how did you become in business for yourself well 
I had a bit of an ethical conflict between what my boss at the time was expecting and what I wanted to deliver to clients. So I basically resigned and went, oh gosh, guess you're starting something on your own because um, I know it sounds weird, but at 49, I was considered to be too old to be employable. So ageism certainly impacted my decision as well as ethics, combination of the two. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, it's interesting how ageism really gets the better of a lot of people. And I'm sure a lot of listeners out there probably come to that realization when, especially in these times of COVID, that they've maybe lost their jobs and they don't know what to do, that they could actually start their own business in something that they're really interested in. Totally, they can. And I actually spoke to a potential client yesterday. She's going back to study one more year or something so that she can become a counsellor. And she, because she can't find a job now. And she is, she said to me, if you're over 40 on the Gold Coast, you're done. Mm. Start your own job, own business. Wow. So it's an interesting way to think of, that COVID has changed us that much. It's changed us in, sometimes in a, in a better way than in you know, in a bad way too, right? I oh, know. I'm seeing that as an opportunity for um, her to go and actually create something that she wants to do because she's passionate about the subject mm. and helping people. So I'm seeing that as a great thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Fantastic. That's like me too. I wanted that as well. And that's and here we are having a chat about these situations, which is fantastic. Now, what I'm really curious about, Gail, is in the intro that I expressed that you ha did a million dollar mistake. That oh. <laughs> how did you do this? What was this? What was this mystery million dollar mistake? And how did you overcome it? Well, it came about out of absolute fear, to be honest. My husband came home from work and at the time we owed a princely sum of $14,000 on our house. And I was a mother of three and I was like, oh, I don't really want to go back to work full time. Mind you, I have never stopped working, just saying, and my youngest son is 31 in two months time. So never stop working with three kids. But um, the point was at the time I was terrified that we would lose our house and we were going to have to borrow this hundred thousand um, dollar amount that he wanted to put into an investment that we would have absolutely no control over and we would be basically going here take our hundred thousand we're going to borrow it and i was going i'm going to be working for the rest of my life to pay this little sucker off i just can't do it and my husband instead of encouraging me to investigate and talk to the accountant and maybe you know get a little bit more um knowledge about it and he was probably equally as guilty in hindsight. We both went, well, no, we don't want to borrow $100,000 to put into an investment. But three years later, he walked in the door and he went, you know that, that company that I wanted to invest in? I'm like, yeah. He went, oh. and that was how it was. Each wow. share just sold for $1.1 million. What? Wow. In three years. And it sold to a company that is um, an international conglomerate. So effectively, yeah, my fear and my unwillingness to investigate cost us a million dollars cold. Oh, my God. That's a big mistake. 
So that's my it, Would you say it was a big mistake or would you say it was more of an opportunity? I now actually, I, I saw it at the time as a devastating um, mistake because I was like, wow, that would have set us up forever. But reality of it is what it, it did was it made me go, I have to go and find out more. And that having to go and find out more meant that I started to talk to people. I started to read things. And you know how I said that crazy little um, bright, shiny object called financial planning? I'd already been starting to learn a little bit about it when the opportunity came up to go and learn it. So I went, oh, the bank's going to pay for my training. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, that's always good. I, I get that too. <laughs> so they paid for my initial training and I went, all right, I'll go and learn. And basically, the more I learned, the more I learned that I didn't know anything. So I needed to learn more. And mm. only just recently, I've um, completed a um, graduate diploma in financial planning. Oh, and just recently oh. too. Wow. Yeah, it was conferred in um, October 2019. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> After all these years, and you probably have a lot more knowledge, but you, you know, just to brush up on that, that's good. <laughs> well, it is, but the funny thing is that million dollar mistake has actually led me to get end up with a degree. Mm. Oh, fantastic. If I hadn't made the mistake, I wouldn't have the experience that I have and I wouldn't have the degree that I have. Amazing. So a blessing. It is. Wow. I love that. It's a blessing. Blessing in disguise, as I say it. When you totally. make mistakes or when you're going in the wrong direction, sometimes you just veer a little bit to the left or a little bit, a little bit to the right and you're on the right path. So that's what sounds like that's what happened to you. I had no intention of ever going to study anything. <laughs> I was going to be a slacko. And it turns out I have studied for years. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely love it. So good. Oh, wow. I have a few more questions for you. So I've actually looked at your website and I know you've said you, you're quite passionate about working with women. Do you work with women only or do you work with uh, men, families? Who do you work with? I tend to have husband and wives um, and, a, and a lot of single women um, as part of my, my financial planning clients. Um, my little side passion project is actually about um, helping women get on top of their money. So I just recently did a, a talk for volunteering Gold Coast and it was about just basic financial literacy and understanding what people don't know. Mm -hmm. And again, having done this for 40 plus years, you don't realize how advantaged you are in what you've picked up, what you know, versus what people don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And it does definitely make sense because in school, we're not taught really finances no. and how to invest in things. We're not taught that at all. I actually went to, um, I actually listened to a speech this morning and the speech was all about finances and how this young girl at age 20 don't, doesn't know anything about finances. She says she has no money, but now she's learning about finances because her mother didn't teach her, her father didn't teach her and schools don't teach you. So that's an interesting thing. It's, it's really a generational thing because we learn our, our money skills from our parents, mm. generally, because who else is going to teach you 
unless you go and study like I have. If you go to school, they basically go, hey, just reading, writing, arithmetic and a bit of science and shunt you out the door. They don't teach you about the importance of managing credit or um, even cash flow that you should have some money left over after that week's finished rather than yeah. having a hole in your budget. You know, yeah. those types of things are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And they're the things that I find that get people in trouble. So I have three sons. Mm -hmm. One of them um, was, was really bad with money. He's much better now because he's got to the point where he realizes um, mum's money tree is not going to always be there. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you, know, you have to get tough on your kids if you want them to actually succeed. Another one has always had his head screwed on. And when he was no, oh, actually, the two younger ones, they all had managed funds, but I remember them talking about when they were in their teens, they were in my name, but they were the kids' money. And they used to measure their gains and losses in skateboards, for goodness sake. They would, they'd spent $200 on a skateboard each. Yeah. And they would actually measure an increase or a decrease in their investment portfolio based on how many skateboards it had gained or lost. Oh, that's so clever. That's how they measured their, their profit. And the youngest one, when he was 15, he started a, a job. And because he'd had that experience of having those managed funds there and he knew that things went up and down, he said to me, Mum, I want to buy some shares. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to buy? And we talked about it. We purchased them. And when he was old enough to buy a car, we sold them. Mm. And he made a $3,000 profit on his little share portfolio. Oh, fantastic. Well, no, see, yeah, go on. But it's possible to teach your kids good habits, where it's also possible to teach your kids nothing if you don't know the habits. Exactly. Just what you said, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And when you're a child growing up and you don't know the finances, you have to learn after school as a young adult um, mm -hmm. on your own, uh, which is, is kind of hard because you're kind of thrown in the deep end, aren't you? But you, your kids sound like they've had a, a good upbringing with finances because they've had a mum like you, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it has been quite helpful. <laughs> yeah. And um, money stories. We were talking about that. Now, everyone has a money story. I know I've had a money story in the past before, and it really does get to you. Sometimes you oh, no, I can't earn that much or... Um, I'm not worth that much or there's always these things that happen. What do you say about money stories and how can the listeners get something out of the fact that we all have a money story? What do, what do we do with that money story, whether it's negative or positive? How do we change it? So I'm going to say probably most listeners will have probably 95 to 99% of them will have a really poor money story. And I know that sounds horrible, but we, we do because invariably, if you're like me, as we were growing up, all I heard was money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford that. Um, only rich people are like, well, if people were rich, they generally were taking advantage of somebody else. They were ripping up somebody off. You know, I can't say that I came from a wealthy family. It was one of those families that we had food on the table. We had every or not everything, most things we needed. But, um, and I can also say to you that I remember my mother telling me that how embarrassing I was at one point because I had gone overseas and taken my family. She said, do you know how embarrassing it is to have somebody like you as a daughter? You spend money like it's water. <gasps> wow. 
And it wasn't that I would spend money like water. We just had different priorities to my parents. Mm -hmm. So we would save for a holiday and mm -hmm. every two years we would take our kids overseas. So, you know, having that negativity in my, my childhood, I had a horrible, horrible money story. It was all about fear and lack. Because remember I told you about my million dollar mistake. It was all around fear because basically I was fearful we would lose the house. I would have to work forever. And remember I said, I've not stopped working. Holidays. Can I just like put that in there? Do you yeah, actually I have holidays, Gail? <laughs> I do have holidays. I've had time off having kids, but you know, what I'm getting at <laughs> yeah. is yeah. I, I have had an ongoing career. I haven't just gone, uh, um, you know, go and sit in the corner and play yoga or, or whatever works for me. Um, yeah. what, I, what has happened is that my money story transformed when I started to learn that much of what I knew, and this isn't from study, this is from all the personal work that I did, with, that um, I've got qualifications in a couple of different types of personal um, support things that we do. Um, and basically the stories and the language that we use for ourselves is really telling because it tells us uses negative language 99% of the time. I'm sure you've, you've heard people say, I can't afford it, I'm too broke. And I remember one of my, my girlfriends, she actually said to me, Gail, I am a terrible saver. And I went, and she kept saying to, my, to me that she was telling her daughters that she couldn't afford things and they were broke. And I went, I'm gonna challenge you to stop using those words, broke and can't afford. And she looked at me as if to say, what are you talking about? I'm broke. I've always been broke. And I went, no, no, you pay off a mortgage. You support your two girls. You have a successful business. How is that broke? Mm. And she went back and she said, well, when I was about 15, I got really badly into trouble with money. So that's been my story ever since. And I said, but you've also told me that you have a plan to do something for your kids this year. And she was saving every $5 note that came into her wallet. And she had a goal to buy a particular um, camper van so that they could go camping because that's what they love to do. Yeah. And I said to her, I want you to change the words. Instead of saying to you girls, I'm too bright, we can't afford it. Go, is this, this is not high on my priority list right now. And let the girls understand priorities versus broke. Mm -hmm. And she said to me about two months after we'd had that discussion, she said, I sat down with the girls, we talked about it and the girls realized and agreed that this was a priority. So they've stopped asking for a whole pile of things. Wow. Fantastic. Of course, family priority became to get that camper van so that they could enjoy time together mm. instead of going, Oh, I want pizza for dinner or I want the latest pair of shoes or whatever. Mm. We can change our money story. And most of it is about, a little bit of knowledge and a lot of self-talk. Mm. Yes, self-talk is a big one, isn't it? As you oh, said, yeah. you can change your mindset or your self-talk to create your new money story. That's how I did it back yep. in the day. And I think you and I have had similar training in regarding um, how we speak to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's why we have that language, but not a lot of people understand that language. And just to tell ourselves, okay, I am wealthy. Wealthy can mean anything, but I have money in the bank. A lot of people say, oh, I have no money. I said, do you have money in the bank? Yeah, I do have money in the bank. Okay, 
well, then you have money then. So why are you telling yourself that you're, you don't have money? So I just have three accounts, actually. You laugh. I mean, aside from investments, I have three accounts. I have one that I do my um, internet like, transactions on, so I can't get skimmed too much. Um, yeah. Well, ever, hopefully. Thank you. <laughs> and the other one that I keep my savings in, and then another one that's called Adventure. Ah, Adventure. That's good. So adventure can be whatever I want it to be. It can be jumping out of a plane, going on holiday, going to the spa, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever you choose and something yeah. that is for you. Fantastic. I love it. So what are your tips? What, what can people um, do to change their money story? And just three tips. Do you have three tips for us? Three tips. Realize that most of your money story has come from your parents and it came from their parents because my parents grew up during the depression and their parents grew up during war. So they did it hard. It was one of those things that unless you understand that they were living in fear and lack literally because they had no food and they had no money. Um, and seriously, my mother was one of seven girls. So one wage, seven girls, two adults, try, try making that work. So um, it's a case of lack was very high on their priority list you know that was what they, they they valued not being in lack so and and security so you can choose to change that you can just go you know what i money flows to me and it does i honestly can say that and if i i have on my wall you laugh i have three boards on my wall and one of them is actually about um how much money and, and it's a ludicrous amount of money and i deliberately made it ludicrous after talking to my business coach and I said that, you know, I now earn $50,000 per week. Guess what? I haven't got there yet, but I've stretched my income. Amazing. I've, I've probably turned it on. I, I would say I've turned it up three times, maybe four. Wow. Fantastic. It's crazy. That's the power of your unconscious mind, isn't it? And writing it down. Yeah. That's amazing. And actually, another thing is not being afraid to make, um, I hate the word mistake. I take an opportunity to learn something is the way I see an error. So, you know, if we go, like I know I love the share market, for example, um, and I have property investments as well. But if I've got money in the share market and I look at it and it goes down one day and up the next, I don't care because I'm looking at this as a long-term strategy. It's a three to five year plus strategy. And in, case, in some cases, it's probably going to be a 35 year strategy based on when I bought them and when I'm going to sell them. Because effectively, these things just keep paying me income. Every six months, they pay me income. So why would I want to destroy a, a money tree effectively that pays me money and you know, by selling it because it's gone down? Mm. Yeah. It's just changing your thought process about volatility because that going up and down is actually called volatility. Yeah, well, there you go. That's a good tip. Something that I didn't know, but I also am learning those sort of things because it is risky to buy into shares. And what is really um, happening right now is um, all the things that people are investing in, not just property, but what are the other things that people invest in shares? 
Okay, so things like that. A lot of people will invest in cash and fixed interest. They'll go to the bank and they'll say, hey, take my money, put it in a term deposit. Now, right now, particularly with really low interest rates, that is probably one of the most risky investments you can take. The reason I say that is I had a client say to me the other week, well, actually just before Christmas, they said, Gail, I can get 0.8% on a million dollar investment for a two month term, 0.8%. And that's annualized over a year. So bring it down, it was next to nothing, right? Now, if you take out the impact of inflation, which is running at around one and a half percent, you've already got a negative return on your money that you gave to the bank. Let's call it 1.1 of a percent. 1.5 minus one, you're sitting at negative 1.4% return on your money. So it means that your money buys a lot less now than it did when you put money in the bank. So that's the impact of inflation. And that's what most people don't take into consideration. They look at it and go, oh, shares are risky, property is risky because they go up and down. Yeah, you might put $100,000 into an investment with the bank, but if you took your, um, your capital amount that hasn't grown over, say, a 20-year period, 20 years ago, you could have bought a house mm. Mm. or yes. a unit, you know, depending yeah. upon where you live. Um, yes. Back in the 80s, you could definitely buy houses in Sydney for $100,000. Yeah. Try buying even a shack in Sydney for under a million now. Oh, yeah, you couldn't. I used to live in Sydney, <laughs> yeah. so I totally understand. <laughs> That's why I moved to the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I'm getting at, you know, the difference yeah. between the, the purchasing power yeah. then and So, you know, just putting it in cash in the bank, that can at times be one of the riskiest investments you can take. Wow. Uh, well, thank you, Gail, for all that information. I would love to learn more about how, you, what you offer um, for your clients. You have three things that you offer: wealth creation, superannuation, and then you do age care finance. Yes, is that correct? I do. Um, basically, I've I've got some clients that I'm helping pay off their mortgage. The tax office is helping them pay off their mortgage, which and they've created a investment portfolio so we're creating wealth for their future retirement and then i've got other clients that i've turned um portfolios we've created portfolios that are funding their retirement then got too much to get an age pension so they're self-funded retirees and they're paying no tax with over a million dollars in investments and then um when it comes to the next phase of life where people start to get um unwell and they need care that can be really financially devastating if you get it mixed up and get it wrong. Um, so I've helped sort that out for around 13 years after having my own personal need to do that for my mother-in-law. And then there's another one that you don't know about yet. Oh, oh you haven't launched it yet. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> so, um, I, in the next week or so, um, we're launching a, a program which is actually about helping women. It's designed specifically for women and it's around improving um i suppose our emotional intelligence around money getting our money stories right and understanding the power of getting a budget cash flow managing your credit protecting your um credit history so that you can continue to buy what you need if you need to get a telephone on a contract or you know even electricity sometimes if you've had a credit default they won't give you those mm -hmm. that's why you see people on um, prepaid plans 
Yeah. And um, even I've had personal experience in having my um, uh, my own stuff skimmed. I had a break in at my office and some information was stolen from my laptop, which was stolen from the office. And I've had my tax um, records compromised, my personal credit history compromised. So it was a massive learning curve. And I have always been 110% frantically safe with data. But because this was an old laptop and it was stuck in the bottom of the filing cabinet, they took the laptop. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten, to, I'd forgotten to scrub the data off that. So no client's files were touched or anything. It was just my personal information that was taken. And it's just been horrendous trying to, to sort out with the tax office. Um, and even I even have had to go and get a new driver's license to try and make it so that they can't use the information that they had. Because your driver's license normally stays the same for your whole life in mm -hmm. the state of issue. And your tax file number stays the same forever. So they won't give me a new tax file number if I have a new driver's license so that they can't pay for my credit history. Oh, right. Oh yeah. God. So I have personal experience of having your credit history must, messed up by other people, not by me. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's an evasion of your own privacy. That's just huge. And yeah. obviously all the emotional stuff that goes along with it. Oh, I was horrified. And I, I will pay the price for that break and enter till I stop doing tax because every time I want to lodge my tax return, I have to ring the tax office and say, hey, we're lodging a tax return or we're doing something for one of my businesses. I have to ring the tax office every time. Mm. So, wow, good learning lessons. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's so important. Yeah, learning lessons are the key, isn't it? Definitely learning lessons. Well, talking about business, your business is called Prosperity Planning or Planning Prosperity? No, Prosperity Planning. Prosperity uh, Planning. So yeah. it's Prosperity Planning. And you told me just before we got on this call that it's your ninth anniversary. It is. Is that it right? Is. Ninth anniversary of having this business. That is fantastic. Congratulations again. Thank Absolutely you. love that. And uh, so you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's why I love having you on. It's been amazing to have you on with everything that you've um, told us today. Now, how can people contact you? Um, my email is gale, G-A-Y-L-E, at prosperityplanning.com.au. And that's probably the best way to contact me. Or you can hit my website, which is prosperityplanning.com.au. And there's um, a contact us form on there either way perfect okay well i'll put that um below so everyone can see Thank uh, you. and uh, they can contact you by your email and your website is probably the best as you said thank you and also you haven't you've said you've forgotten something and i haven't asked you this what else have you done in your life that i said i wanted <laughs> To write a book. You wrote Was a that book? it? Yeah. I did. I wrote a book. You wrote a book. And what's your book yeah. about? Um, it's actually called Women Mind Your Money. It's about mindset and money. And effectively giving people, let me say, practical strategies so that they understand the importance of protecting assets, protecting their themselves, 
getting their headspace right and even understanding um, what gets included in um, say a divorce. I know it sounds weird, but, and of course there's things called estate assets, which are, of course, when you get divorced, you have an estate. So estate assets um, basically include your superannuation while you're, you're going through a separation and any other assets that you might have accumulated, but it doesn't necessarily include trust assets because they may not be yours. They are held in trust for beneficiaries. So, you know, there's a whole range of things in there that I've learned over 40 plus years. And when I wrote the book, my um, editor said to me, Gail, you haven't referenced anything in here. And I'm like, I know, because it came out of my head. Perfect. Well, that's amazing. And I think that's what people like. Real conversations, real situations and real um, experiences. So I can, you sent me the link. So I can also put the link for your book down the bottom too for people to uh, purchase. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate and, uh, that. Yeah. And uh, I hope some, all of you listeners out there have gotten an, all, some value out of the conversation today with Gail and I. And as I said, I will contact, I'll put all the contact details for Gail underneath and attach them. And if you want to contact her, just give her a call. Thanks again, Gail. Thanks, Thanks. Gail. Appreciate your time. You too. I appreciate your time. See you later.